Hey, hey, welcome to the Live Like It's True podcast, where we talk through some of the most outlandish stories in the Bible and what it would look like to live like those stories are true. I'm your host, Shannon Popkin, and my hope is that these conversations will inspire you to better know the story, share the story, and to live the story. What's your reaction to suspenseful movie scenes? I tend to be the person in the room who's like squirming in my seat and calling out to the characters on the screen, you know, who can't hear me and saying, watch out, which drives my family crazy. Are there any other crazies out there? Well, if so, if you like suspense, you're going to enjoy this episode. So we're in our true story of Easter series, and today I'm going to be retelling the true story of Judas which is a story of suspense. It's an amazing scene painted for us by John, the author, and the disciple who is actually there in the room. But before we do, I want to invite you to grab my brand new Live Like It's True workbook. It's a free downloadable resource. You can find the link in the show notes. And one of the things included in this workbook is a bookmark that you can print out. And on one side of the bookmark, it has uh, a focus on story elements. It'll help guide you in looking through the, the true story in the Bible as an actual story. So I hope you'll pick up that workbook and study along with me as we look at these true stories of Easter. Okay, so let's talk about this true story of Judas. So from a storytelling perspective, this is an amazing scene of suspense. There's a dinner party, the rabbi and his followers have gathered in this upper room, and we are the ones looking in, knowing that something is about to happen. And our author, John, the the one who's in the room and telling us this story, he's already let us know that Judas is the bad guy. He's going to betray Jesus, and he's already told us that Satan has entered Judas. And I mean, we know that Jesus is going to be killed soon. So there's just all of the suspense surrounding this scene. And then we watch Jesus do something which is totally unexpected. He seats Judas in the seat of honor at the feast. Now, I've linked to a video in the show notes that was really helpful for me, and you can go watch it yourself. It helped me understand the customary way of seating guests around what's called a triclinium. It's this low U-shaped table that had cushions around it. And so the guests would lean in toward the table, they would lean on their left side, and then use their right uh, hand to eat. And the guests were arranged around the table according to honor. And so who is the honored guest? It's Judas, which is so surprising. And we know that it's Judas because during the meal, it's customary to dip the sop, which is a piece of bread, and give it to the honored guest at the meal as a gesture of love and friendship. So after there's, you know, as the scene is unfolding, Jesus says, somebody at this table is going to betray me. And all of the disciples start looking at each other. And then Peter motions to John and says, you know, ask Jesus. And and this is where we're told that that. John is reclining with his head, leaning back on Jesus. And so Jesus, they're in close proximity. And Jesus says to John, I assume in a way that the others can't hear, it's the one that I'm going to give the piece of bread to. And then he gives it to Judas, which means that Judas is sitting in this position of honor. That's who you give the sop to. 
So just picture the scene with me, the U-shaped table, and they're arranged. Jesus is in the position of the host, which is almost to the far left, you know, facing this U-shaped table with only John to his right. And then on his left in the position of honor is Judas. And so it makes sense then that Peter, who's motioning to John, would be all the way around the U to the very far right. So he'd be kind of facing John. And, and that means that he's in the lowest position. Isn't that interesting that Jesus seated Peter in the position of the servant? If you read my book, Comparison Girl, we talked a lot about Jesus, his last shall be first statements. And I really wish I had understood this whole seating arrangement thing a little bit better when I wrote that book, because here Jesus is giving them a representation of how greatness works in the kingdom. But Judas, Jesus is giving him this position of honor. He's loving Judas and honoring him. He's showing him extraordinary kindness, which is crazy to us, the ones who are watching the scene, because we know that Judas is Jesus's murderer. Have you ever been watching a scene in a movie or on TV where there's a character who is trusted and given access, and we know that they're the bad guy? We know that they're trying to kill the good guy in the room, but the victim isn't aware. And if you're like me, and this drives my kids crazy, you're the one squirming in your seat and yelling at the TV saying, no, don't, don't let him near. He wants to kill you. You know, that that's how I like to watch movies. My kids don't enjoy that <laughs> with me. But there, this is how we should be feeling as we read this scene that John has set for us. Jesus has been dropping clues left and right. Actually, they're not even clues. He's been telling them plainly what is going to happen. And he's just told them, not only is he going to be betrayed, it's someone at their very table who's going to betray him. And we are the only ones, you know, watching in this scene, we're the ones who know that Judas is the snake. The disciples don't know. We're the ones who know that he's been influenced by Satan. Now, here's the difference between that suspenseful movie scene and this one. Jesus knows. As he dips the bread and he hands it to Judas, Jesus shows us that he is completely aware of who his betrayer is. He's known all along. When Jesus says in John 13, 18, I know who I have chosen, he's saying he knows the hearts of each of his disciples, including Judas. I hope you got a chance to listen to the true story of Judas episode where I talked with Lee Nienheis about how proximity with Jesus isn't the same as relationship. Jesus is called Emmanuel, which means God came near, and Judas got as near as anyone to God. He was at a table next to God, dipping bread with him. And when Judas walked out that door and entered that night scene, entered the darkness, he was walking as far from God as could be. So his proximity to Jesus meant nothing because he had no relationship with Jesus. In just a few hours, both of these men will be dead. One will be the most honorable death of sacrifice and beautiful humility that we have ever seen in the history of the world. And the other will be a death of hopelessness and shame and regret. That's Judas. So what kept Judas from embracing Jesus? Clearly, I mean, as I picture the scene with Judas receiving that bread and sitting in that at that place of honor, clearly he has this sense of superiority. You don't betray someone. You don't plan for their murder 
when you think highly of somebody. I heard about a wife who'd been cheating on her husband and he didn't know. And so for months, she was living out this facade of faithfulness while she was with him. But whenever he turned his back, she would be rolling her eyes. And then when he found out about her unfaithfulness, she became open in her contempt for him. She was like, he was so stupid that he didn't even know about this for months. And so like this betraying wife, Judas has no respect for Jesus. His heart was not warm to Jesus or to his ministry. In fact, we know that, you know, he was the accountant for their ministry and he had access to the ministry purse and he helped himself whenever he wanted, which meant that he had been betraying Jesus for a while now. His heart is rock hard and ice cold toward Jesus. But unlike that unsuspecting husband or the movie character who doesn't realize that they've just let the bad guy in the room, Jesus knows exactly who Judas is, and he lets Judas get close. Judas was not getting away with anything here. Judas was making a choice, and Jesus knew all about it. Jesus knows about the choice that you and I are making as well. Jesus came near for each of us. He came near for me, and he came near for you, and he came near so that we could understand who God is. He came near not to tower over us, but to bend low and serve just like he did with those disciples in that room when he washed their feet. He bent low so that he could lift us up from our position in the pit of sin. But as we've just learned, being near to Jesus does not save us relationship with Jesus is what saves us. So I have to ask, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you gone past just proximity? uh, And have you had a personal heart level encounter with Jesus? If you've never done so, I'm going to pray right now and I'm going to invite you to share these words with Jesus. Jesus, I am a sinner just like everybody else in this world. I am dying in my sin. And I know that you came to die in my place, to be the lamb, and to solve the biggest problem of my life, which is the separation that my sin creates between me and God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for humbling yourself. I see your humility on the cross the way that God does. I see that it makes you very, very great. And I want my story to be all wrapped up in your story. I want for my sin to be nailed up on that cross, Jesus. I want for your death to be in the place of mine. I want to rise up from my old life the way that you rose up from that tomb. And I want to not only be in close proximity to you by going to church or being around other other Christians, I want to have a personal relationship with you. And I want to experience your forgiveness and your comfort and your love. Please change me from a Judas into a disciple, Jesus. Amen. Friend, if you prayed those words along with me, would you let me know? I would love to rejoice with you, and I'd love to answer any questions that you might have. Now, I'm going to retell the story of Judas, which is a a scene of suspense. And as I do, I want you to ask that question that Lee Neenheis closed with in our episode, The True Story of Judas. I want you to ask yourself, am I pursuing proximity with Jesus or am I pursuing a relationship with him? So here's the true story of Judas. 
The disciples gather in this upper room for the Passover. This is the last meal that they're going to share with Jesus. And astonishingly, Jesus is the one who washes their feet. And then he talks about following his example and being a servant. And then he says something that is completely disorienting. He says, this lesson isn't for all of you. One of you in this room, one of you doesn't belong. I know each of you that I've invited to be my disciples, and one of you is going to betray me. The disciples look at each other, wondering, who is Jesus talking about? And Peter motions across the table at John and says, ask him who. And so John leans back toward Jesus and says, who is it, Lord? And Jesus says, it's the one I give this piece of bread to. And then Jesus dips the bread and gives it to Judas. And as Judas eats that piece of bread, that's when Satan enters in. And Jesus says to him, go quickly and do what you're going to do. So Judas rises from the table and goes out into the night. Thanks so much for joining me for this retelling episode. And now it's your turn. I hope that you will go and take some time in John chapter 13, verses 17 through 30. Spend some time in this story, the true story of Judas, and learn the story and tuck it away in your heart so that you can recall it and share it with someone else. Are you enjoying this true story of Easter series here on season two of the podcast? I sure hope so. Thank you so much for those of you who have left kind reviews or sent me a note of encouragement. Wow, that means so much. And I hope that you will invite a friend and plan to join me back here next Wednesday for the true story of the arrest. I'll be having this conversation with Lindsay Schott, and you will not want to miss it. She is an amazing Bible teacher and has just this love for God's Word. Check the show notes or shannonbopkin.com to find links for all of the resources I've mentioned here on the show. And I've also got a way for you to connect with my son, Cade Popkin's music, which you've heard throughout this episode. I also don't want you to miss the free Live Like It's True workbook. All the information you need is there in the show notes. All right, friends, thank you so much for joining me for another episode. And now it's time to go live like it's true.